The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome once again to a game from the radio, the official League Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. We have none other than a uh, senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Hello, fun seekers. We have L Man, Jenny Felby. Good day, good evening. And from parts uh, unknown, we have Dominic Definish Man Toronto. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> you sound like you're on the moon. This is awesome. <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> How is it on the moon? <laughs> light mark light <laughs> <laughs> so on this week's show we have another jay bird and lee segment and uh l man jenny Feldy interviews fantasy author danielle uh yeah danielle orsino right that's, that's yes. how you pronounce it yes. Danielle? all right yes um but before we do any of that let's take it away with the news it's more than time The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 26 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention is scheduled for December the 17th, which is getting closer and closer by the minute. Um, it's the Big Apple Christmas Con. Tickets are on sale now. I believe their headliner right now is Jim Stranko. Dominic? Stranko. <laughs> and um, From also- the moon. <laughs> and also... Find folks at sci-fi.radio at sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Also want to give out shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grill, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portes, Newsday Famous, Dresden Media, Unchikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasmin Ray, and Rosa. If you want your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.camefrey.com. A little button on there to take you right to our Patreon page. Just for a dollar month, you get a shout-out on our show. We greatly appreciate it. All right, so this week we don't have any sad news uh, because um, I didn't have time to do the sad news. So if anybody died, we'll get to yes. it later. <laughs> More like this, please. <laughs> so we're just going to go with the regular non-sad news. So let's oh, see. no. From the... Anyone get what? injured or maimed, maybe? Uh, injured or maimed news? Uh, I, I think that's another department. that uh, we, haven't, we haven't explored that wing of the news department yet, the injured or maimed department. Okay, sounds good. So we have from the was he ever convicted of anything department? The Flash? No, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Recently, a Los Angeles judge ruled that none other than actor Kevin Spacey must pay $30.9 million in damages to the makers of House of Cards over his own firing due to the allegations of misconduct and predatory behavior. Lawyers argued that Kevin's alleged misconduct cost millions of dollars after they were forced to remove him from the series and cut the sixth season uh, down to five episodes. For those of you not paying attention or care for that matter, Kevin formally pleaded not guilty to multiple, multiple charges, including four 
counts of sexual assault from three different men dating back to 2005, as well as one count of, quote, causing a person to engage in penetrative, <laughs> wait, penetrative, penetrative sexual activity without consent, unquote. I'm not, I'm laughing because it's uh, funny to read, but uh, it's not a laughing matter. Nine million dollars. So you get, you have allegations against you. You get fired off of a show that you're on. And because they fire you, they're claiming losses because they fired you. And now Kevin has to pay that money, even though he hasn't been uh, tried or found guilty in a court of law. Isn't that kind of odd? Yeah. Odd. It's ludicrous. Charlie says it's ludicrous. Dominic? Yep. Well, because what they're suing him for basically what it costs to have to fire him and everything. So they're suing for damages. Yeah, but they're the ones that fired him. It wasn't like he quit the show. This is true, but somehow it's his fault. So get that money. What about you, uh, Jen? What do you think about this? Jen doesn't think of anything because she's not in the chat now. Did we lose Jen? <laughs> Am I the only one who looks at the screen? Then I've, there I've, we mentioned go. This, I've mentioned this before on the show. I have the news covering the, the window, so I can't see when people leave or not. It's not hard. <laughs> so, so you have multiple windows, Mark. So you but it's covering, it's covering over the screen. So I have no reason to read the screen. If I think everybody's here. Well, Jen is back. And just in case. I don't know how I got X'd out. Very strange. But I'm back. All right. Hi, so, Jen, did, did you catch any of that? Did you catch Mark, do you have a desktop? I got, I got kicked out. I got a ghost kicked out. All right. You got ghosts kicked out. All right. So, yeah. so, so Jen, Kevin Spacey is ordered to pay um, $30 million because oh he got fired because of the allegations of sexual misconduct that he has been uh, accused of, but not no court has been happened. There's been no trial or anything. So what do you think of him being? Well, we don't know yet. It hasn't been, hasn't been tried in the court of law. There's been, Mm. you know, the court of public opinion has already said their case and he got fired because of these allegations. And then, yeah, no, you can't get fired. He has to pay for getting fired. No. So we fire somebody and you have to pay us for firing you. That's the no, 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 no. You have thing. to be proved. You have to prove it. You know, because apparently I, not. <laughs> I've been accused of stuff that's absolutely not happened. I mean, you have to prove it. And uh, oh, apparently uh, the damages were uh, legitimate, according to the the judge. Well, remember, this is California, where they they're making you buy an electric vehicle and then telling you you can't charge the electric vehicle. Yeah, that I is so did, insane. I did hear that. That is crazy. So. <laughs> You know, can you really go by how they understand common sense? Oh, I, it's just, it's just, it's just a it's like getting work. married to like a Playboy model and then she doesn't put out. You know, that's exactly what's going on with these electric cars. That's what I think. Oh, I thought you. Were... Never mind. Never mind. I'm not. I'm not taking nah. a I like Charlie, you have any fun? Furby schmuck tax. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, Charlie, you want to throw in any more two cents, or should we move on? No. Okay. No, we should move on. No, you want? Never mind. <laughs> so, moving on from the Everybody Hates Chris. Yeah. 
department. None other than Chris Rock himself has announced that not only will there be a new animated Everybody Hates Chris series based off his show of the same name, which ran from 2005 to 2009, but he will also return as a narrator of the project. Executives say, Chris Rock is one of the most gifted comedians of all time. We're excited to partner with him to bring this to, to life and welcome it as the next big hit in our expanding arsenal of iconic adult animation. Reimagining of this groundbreaking, critically acclaimed series has been a source of creative discussions at our studio for a long time. Why do you find that funny, Charlie? Um, just when you said his next big hit, big hit I'm thinking of the Academy Awards. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Were you a fan of Everybody Hates Chris? Um, yeah, I thought it was a good show. So would you watch the animated uh, version? No, of no, definitely not. No. <laughs> Dominic? Never watched it. Huh. Jen? Everyone hates Chris. I, I don't know Chris. <laughs> I thought it was a, a funny show. Um, it was entertaining. And it, if you like Chris Rock's humor, then you'll like the show. It's, it's that simple. Well, that's I'm, pretty much what you can say with all stand-up comedians that have sitcoms. Yeah, pretty much. Although although I can uh, say, this just popped in my head, um, George Wallace. I used to love his stand-up comedy act. And when he had his TV show, it was the worst TV show ever. Really? Mm. Or Bob Saget. Very different. He made this slutty girl cry. And yes. it's very different on TV. So yes. I'm very different in movies than my stand-up. So. Yeah, that, that is also true. I have, I have seen one of the movies you've been in. And I have seen... Actually, I've seen two of the movies you've been in. And I've seen uh, as part of your stand-up. So yeah. More coming. Wildly different. It's very true. So let's see. So moving on. From the department, none other than Mike Tyson has come out against the new Hulu series about his life. Uh, Mike says, Hulu is the streaming version of the slave master. Don't let Hulu fool you. I don't wow. support their story about my life. It is not 1822. It's 2022. They stole my life story and they didn't pay me. Who what? executives? I'm just a, uh, uh, ooh, um, a bigger, Mark. a, a bigger, <laughs> and they can sell on the auction block. Um, Hulu stole my story. They're Goliath and I'm David. Heads will roll for this. Hulu's model of stealing life rights of celebrities is egregiously greedy. Hmm. Hulu says, we just wanted to tell an unbiased story and have the audience decide what they think or feel, challenging what people think they know about Mike and hoping that they come away from the series with something else to think about. I know, uh, Jen, you're a huge Mike Tyson fan, right? Yeah, I saw his one-man show. It was one of the best things I've ever seen ever. And uh, yeah, no, if he got no money and it's all about him, they, they would be nowhere without him. So they should probably throw him a few dollars. Well, did you see the series? Are you aware of this new series? No. Is it out now on Hulu? It is out now on Hulu, yes. Oh, I'm going to renew my subscription tonight. <laughs> Dominic, have you uh, you a Mike Tyson fan? I mean, how can you not be? Would you well, would you be interested in watching a uh, unauthorized biography of his uh, life? No, no. no. First of all, I don't have Hulu. And second of all, like I want Mike to get some of that Disney money. Mm. What about you, senior corner Charlie Saladino? Mike Tyson is uh, was one of the most amazing fighters 
in the world, but I really don't care about a series of him or his his uh, biography. I don't care. I'm I'm a little. I was I was curious when I heard about it, but then that I found out that he didn't authorize it. I'm like, I'm not going to watch it. I have the ability to watch it. I'm, like, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to support them, even though my vote doesn't matter because I'm not paying for it. But I think uh, it's 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 just not right. If you're going to tell a story about a about a character who's still alive, might as well get the input for a better version of that story and pay yeah. the man. You know, especially since there's so much fraud and controversy that. I mean, I feel like he should be able to sign off because, I mean, my dad is one of the people that says this, that he was framed, that he didn't rape a girl. I mean, there's a lot of controversy. So he should be allowed to stand up for himself in his own biography. And he went to jail for it and everything. And I remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but I remember, I remember. that uh, that Oprah with uh, Robin Gibbons, where he was just sitting there and they were talking like all this stuff about him, about how violent he was on national television. He's just sitting there taking it. I'm like, if this dude is really that violent, uh, he wouldn't be sitting well, there taking it. Well, when, before he went on to a show, they drugged him. Oh, did they? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. You, you said it was such deadpan. I was like, oh, did that really oh. happen? And you yeah. did work for ABC. Yeah. So were you there that's, when they did that? That's what makes it believable. <laughs> <laughs> were you working there when they did that, Charlie? No, no. Actually, we, we interviewed him on... Uh, um channel seven and he was a pretty decent fellow um in fact i got to meet i got to meet joan jett uh but uh yeah just a scary guy it's uh, like you don't want to say anything nasty to him like you know but you you definitely don't want to mess with him on a plane yes that's true (laughs) Jen, you actually, you actually talked to him, right? You met him, right? Very briefly. I just was, I was following the same route as him driving from New York to DC to go see his show. So you I still got me tickets for Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I actually was on the same route with the Rough Riders too. At another time we pulled in at the same, same rest stop, Rough Riders and Mike Tyson different times. And I saw Mike Tyson walking in the Char- Charleston house or Chesapeake house. As I'm walking out, it's like, I gotta say something. So I go, I'm going to your show tonight. And he goes, thank you, ma'am. And he keeps on walking. <laughs> so we must have been both coming from New York or the same, similar, similar route. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, we're walking the same like path, same, same person, basically. So let's see. So moving on. From the, oh, this is a big one. All right. From the, well, this is one way to go about it department. None other than the Oscars has, after almost 50 years, issued a formal apology letter to Sachin Littlefeather for her reception and subsequent boycotting and hatred received for her appearance at the 1973 Oscar ceremony, where she famously came out on behalf of Oscar winner Marlon Brando after winning his Best Actor Award. The letter, in part, reads, As you stood on the Oscar stage in 1973, To not accept the Oscars on behalf of Marlon Brando in recognition of the misrepresentation and mistreatment of Native American people by the film industry, you made a powerful statement that continues to remind us of the necessity and respect of the importance of human dignity. The abuse you endured because of this statement was unwarranted and unjustified. This emotional burden you have lived through and the cost to your own career in our industry are irreparable. Uh For too long, the coverage you showed has been unacknowledged. For this, we offer both our deepest apologies and sincere admiration. 
Today, nearly 50 years later, with the guidance of the Academy's Indigenous Alliance, we are firm in our commitment to ensuring Indigenous voices and overall storytellers are visible, respected contributors to the global film community. We are dedicated to fostering a more inclusive, respective industry that leverages a balance of art and activism to the driving force for progress. Uh, Sachin uh, says, regarding the Academy's apology to me, we're Indians. We are very patient people, and it's only been 50 years. We need to keep our sense of humor about this at all times. It's our method of survival. This is a dream come true. It is profoundly heartening to see how much has changed since I did not accept the Academy Award 50 years ago. I am so proud in each and every person who appear on stage. Uh, the letter will be read in full on air during the Evening with Sachin Littlefeather, a special program of conversation, reflection, healing, and celebration with Sachin Littlefeather. Now, uh, Cena Correspondent, Charlie Saladino, did you see that uh, that um, acceptance or non-acceptance speech at the Oscars? I, I, yes, I saw it when it happened. And, uh, you know, for the, for the Academy, who, which I, I hate with a passion, as you know, uh, the Academy Awards, uh, for them to come out 50 years later with this, it just, again, insane, insane. Just uh, 50 years later, you come out, why? Because they're losing viewers, so they need to be in, you know, the limelight again. I hate them. Oh, yeah, I agree. So do you remember, are you aware of this, uh, Jen? No, but to bring up something from even like 10 years ago, it's like, get you know, get off my lawn. <laughs> Dominic, are you also aware of this? Yeah. Do you think that it's right of them to either do it or wait 50 years to do it? Or what are your thoughts? Um, to wait 50 years was, a little, you know, who cares at this point? Randos, everyone who was there is pretty much dead with the exception of her, and I think Al Ruddy, they're alive. Everyone else is dead. What does it matter? Uh, you know, like, they should apologize for the fact that I think John Wayne was trying to, like, rush the stage to beat the woman. Yeah. It was, so, it was, a, it was a big thing. I, I, I've seen clips and stuff of it. I mean, Charlie, so what was your reaction when you saw that happen? <laughs> well, I was young mm. at the time, and I'm saying... Wow, Brando's not taking the award. You know, this at the time when you saw the Academy Awards, uh, when it was something, uh, people would just like be all over themselves if they won. And I thought it was a pretty bold move on Brando, but I also very, very um, amazing that he he picked this subject, which he was very close to the Native Americans, to take the time that he would have made an acceptance speech and send this girl to just say how the Native American was mistreated in movies for years. I thought that was a a good move at the time because it brought it, it brought this subject out into the open, into the public, because mm-hmm. um. They, they what we came in, we took their land, and they were the bad people, you know. So, yeah. it's it's like getting I, fired off of a show and making you pay for getting fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he does a great Brando impression, Kevin Spacey. 
I just think that this is this is I think it's pandering. I think the only reason that they're yeah. doing it is because they're trying to like Charlie said, they're trying to be relevant, they're trying to stay in the spotlight because as as it, despite the fact of our of my own personal and our show's dubious um relationship with award shows, they're really not as big as they once were. Right. You know, yeah. and they're trying anything to try and get this. I remember uh, last year they were trying the um the hashtag me- most memorable movie moment, trying yeah. to drum up interest and stuff. So I was like, it's just it just sits wrong with me. But hell, if if uh, she's if she's happy with it, and they'll pay her to go up on stage and accept and read the letter, or whatever, more power to her. You guys think we're gonna have award shows that are respected just like this uh, in two years or ten years? You think these are gonna be out of style? <sighs> I think they're they're going down, and I think mm-hmm. it's it's going to be diluted, just like everything else has been diluted because everybody is able to have their own award show. Hell, we can have our own yeah. award show if we wanted to. But you know, we we do do the best and worst. We could give out a, a you know a two dollar if we wanted to. Yeah, but with us, think- nobody gets slapped. Yeah, that's three dollars too much. <laughs> Well, the reason I ask is I know two people that are grown women above the age uh, of me and they're, they're actors and they're getting uh, vaccinated so they can get awards like this. And it's like these award shows might not be around in six months to 10 years. So why are you going to, you know, do whatever you want, but don't take any medication or buy a house or whatever because of an award show. You know, these these things might be totally uh, irrelevant soon. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. So for the last bit of news from the. This is definitely a don't department. Now, uh, as as we're getting close to New York Comic Con, we usually do our do's and don'ts for uh, attending a big convention. So none I'll other. Toast while taking a bath. <laughs> <laughs> none other than actor Gary Busey had been charged with two counts of fourth degree criminal sexual conduct. One count of attempted criminal sexual contact and one count of harassment following alleged actions during the Monster Mania convention in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, this past August. Um, Convention organizer says a celebrity guest was removed from the convention and instructed not to return. Monster Mania also encourages all attendees to contact the police to follow a report. Monster Mania will continue to assist the authorities in any way possible uh the police says it was all about contact it was all about touching um i did my little homework on the research prop it was during the uh celebrity photo ops that they have so you know you take a picture and apparently he got handsy and so they got arrested escorted and he was charged i think it's kind of wild that that would happen well you know gary's a loose cannon as it is so you're going to invite him to one of these events and you're going to initiate contact. <laughs> Here's the man who's going to contact you. You know, um, I, I just think they were, they were surprised by his actions after, you know, after watching, watching incidents that he, he initiated. I don't know. I, what, I mean, what exactly? I would. What do you? I do would exactly? never, never have Gary Busey at one of my conventions. No. So yeah. basically, he was uh, touching the female. I would, I would guess, female um, mm-hmm. patrons who paid to have a celebrity like, photo op with him. Like, 
What exactly? Grabbing yeah. them, grabbing them in an unwanted way. That's that's what they say. Well, that's that's what I was saying. You tell Gary Busey, uh, we want you to come in contact with these people. You know, you got to remember who you're talking to. Now, yeah, I remember. It, it, yeah. Good. I just wonder if they're getting him to let, I'm not standing up for him in any way, but I'll just, I'll just give you a, a quick aside. There's a woman, uh, she, she has her own show. And uh, w- when I first met her, she grabbed my boobs and she's grabbed my boobs like twice. And she's also uh, grabbed my boyfriend too. And it's like, you know, women feel free to grab all types of people and hug them and all this types of stuff. But if a man does it, you know, it's a problem. Now I'm not saying either one are in the right. And I have to, I haven't even say someone who's very lenient with just how people conduct themselves was, I was, I was a little uncomfortable. I'm like, all right, like, can we just like observe personal space here? But um, yeah, I just wonder if it would be different if he was a woman, you know, would he get away with it if he was a pretty woman? Maybe. Um, yeah, I, don't know. I know uh, Dominic does the hands-free because this is what came to mind when you were at the, the Playboy thing, right? Right. When I was doing like that, interviewing the cast of The Sopranos and there were like some Playboy bunnies there at the now like, defunct Playboy restaurant and club. I pulled the Keanu Reeves. I just kept my hands open. So mm. it's like I'm kind of my hands around you, but you can see where my hands are. Smart. So like I'm not being creepy. Um, in terms of like, for whatever reason, when you first said Gary Busey, I had the image of Gary Sinise in my head. Mm. I'm like, no, not, <laughs> not him, Gary but... Sinise, but but Gary Busey. Yeah, it's Gary I don't know Busey. why I pictured Gary Sinise, and I got him. For, for, but then once I'm like, oh wait, Gary Busey. I'm like, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense that he did something like that. The man is out of his mind. Um, <laughs> He just is. He's just, he he's is. just nuts. He's just crazy. Yeah. But if you're going to go to a meet and greet where you get to shake hands or hug Gary Busey, that's essentially, I'm not saying what he did was right at all. Like, you know, be a respectful human being. However, that's kind of like jumping into a lion pit with a pork chop on your neck and shocked that the lion mauled mm. you. Mm. So you're, you're kind of going into already a dangerous situation and that you're in a room with Gary Busey. <laughs> I'm reminded of, um, as, as Jim was mentioning, the, the contrast between a man and a woman. Like I remember when they had the Ace Con in New York where they had the entire cast of Justice League minus Ben Affleck uh, for a convention. And the pictures, you know, uh, Gal Gadot, they were like, you know, no touching, no, you know, don't be near her, stay away from her. Mm. But Jason Momoa was hugging people and grabbing them and they were making jokes mm. and and he was hugging the women and pushing away the men like jokes and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I'm like, huh, that's that's a very interesting double standard with when mm-hmm. you're paying, especially if you're a paying customer and you're paying an absorbent amount of money for these things. You're paying to meet Gary Busey. And that's what would happen if you met Gary Busey. Yeah, right. Some, I think a comedian, I don't remember who had also brought this up. It really does relate to level of attractiveness in many. It does. Yeah. Especially like it's a meet and greet. It's not alone. And it's not like a Harvey Weinstein situation where you're alone in a hotel room. It's a public setting. There's only so far that it can possibly go without someone stepping in and and just, you know, security someone. right? Right. So there is this sense of like, here's Gary Busey, who's I don't know how old looks deranged and out of his mind versus Jason Momoa who many people find a as an attractive man right okay so mm-hmm. 
there is a certain sense of like creepy whacked out old dude touching me guy that i've been fantasizing about since <laughs> i started watching game of thrones touching me mm-hmm. like there is this level of attractiveness that kind of like allows for physical contact to be okay yeah uh, you it's know, like point, of course. All right, it's so not sexual have... harassment if you're hot basically yeah, basically well, it's... yeah it's i'm not being it's not harassment if you find them attractive so mm-hmm. yeah I will bring so, this up with uh, less than a minute to go, and then we'll do our final thoughts. But I remember when I was working at the movie theater, as I mentioned many times, we had a hot sexual harassment uh, uh, woman come in and explain to us sexual harassment. And she said, point blank, it's only if it's wanted or unwanted, so it's a case-by-case situation. <laughs> and I just have to say this. When I met Jason Momoa, he is one of the nicest guys and he actually loves his fan and they're so nervous when they meet him and he's just the nicest person in the world and he he really loves his fans so uh mm. it's it's totally different between him his persona and Gary Busey's persona so there is something about Jason Momoa that just seems Final thought uh, Dominic final thought That's it so Jason Momoa, Momoa, warm and playful. Gary Busey, creepy and weird. <laughs> Final thought? Final thought, just don't touch anyone. Can we just stop doing that? Don't touch anyone? Yeah, just don't yeah, touch me. Don't touch me. Senior correspondent, Charlie yeah. Saladino, bring Jason it on. Momoa, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, final thought is just uh, <laughs> be, be nice to everybody and respect everybody. Well, there you go. So with that, we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with the game from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today is a special episode because it's our 100th. 100 episodes, and Riley has joined us today. Yep. So this is going to be a kind of bittersweet episode because, unfortunately, my father, your grandfather, had passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're here to celebrate his life and excitement and what he had done over the years, right? Yep. So do you guys have like... So he was a big movie guy, right? Yep. So that was one of his things that he... He owned a video store, Riley. Did you know that? Yeah, I know. You told me. I know. Did you know how many movies we had? No. We had 5,000. 5,000. Oh, my God. Okay. It was back in the 1980s in the town of Merrick, New York. You know, and uh, do you remember, like, what some of his movies were? Or what, what shows did you watch with him? Well, personally, one of the uh, shows that I watched with him was Boston Legal. It was um, one of the things that he loved to watch. We always basically just, when we went to his house, my uh, brother went to my grandma's room, and I hung out with Pop. And you watch Boston Legal. That's so funny. <laughs> Boston Legal actually Boston Legal actually starred William Shatner, one of his favorite Captain Kirk, who's Captain Kirk of Star Trek. 
mm-hmm. who was one of his favorites, you know? Um, so that was kind of cool that kind of like fell full circle. Your legal drama and his uh, favorite guy, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, William Shatner. He liked those types of shows, the law sh- shows. Yeah. and Yeah, what did you like doing with them? Did you watch TV or did you, was it more like building? Well, we we didn't really build that much. The only thing we really did that actually hang out, we actually went to the car show and stuff. Oh. That was fun. Yeah. yeah, we've done that a couple times where we got to go to the car show with him and he pointed out all the cars because I knew absolutely none of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Riley's like becoming a but car I really, person. But I only really like the old cars. I don't like my cars. Who doesn't like the old cars? They're awesome. The old uh, cars are great. Yeah. yeah. Not all people like old cars. Some people like new cars. I think the old ones are better. One of his favorites was the 57 Chattery. Didn't we see that in Disney? We saw 57, yes, at Disney we saw a 57 Chevy, and actually it was at the car show the last time we went, which was yeah, a couple Yeah, it was. It was very cool. I think there was two of them, wasn't there? There were a couple of them, yeah. yeah. He knew, like, every car whatsoever. Oh, my God, it was amazing how many he knew. Yeah, exactly. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool. What um, what other things did you guys like doing with him? Um, Eating food. That's right. You guys <laughs> ate a lot of food together, right? Yeah. What was one of your favorite things that you ate? Come on. You know. Ma- matzo ball soup? Matzo soup. That was like grandma's thing. That was thing. grandma's. How about the milkshake? So basically, whenever we went out to International House, um, he, he would get a burger with like bacon and egg on it and a liter, like a liter or a gallon milkshake. Liter, liter. He would get like a, it was a pitcher. It was yeah, a, it was a pitcher of just. Vanilla milkshake. Yeah. It was a pitcher he of He like drank milk. that while he was eating a burger. And fries. It- <laughs> right, that's right. And when I saw him, he had the uh, the milkshake, and he ate um, a, a thing of pound cake. He would toast pound cake. Oh my god! I'm, I when I when I saw him drink a liter of it, it was a liter of vanilla, a milkshake, and he was also eating a giant waffle with a scoop of ice cream in the middle. Oh wow. yeah, that was unbelievable. He definitely, he enjoyed the food, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> he of course did. Especially at barbecuing, right? Oh, he loved barbecuing. Um, I remember one day it. Hurricane Sandy hit, and he, there, all the power was out, so he was like, I'll just barbecue some eggs on the grill. So that's what we did. That's right. We barbecued yeah. eggs on the grill. You were a baby at that point. Then we had to go to a hotel and stuff, but... I don't remember that part. All I remember is like, are you really uh, grilling egg whites on it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was he, funny. Well, he had, a, he had a pot, I think, or pan, and then he put the eggs on the side burner, and he made breakfast. Yep. You know, nothing was going to stop this guy from barbecuing, so apparently a, a hurricane did not stop him, nor did, nor did rain. He yeah. Would, he would always, uh, you know, barbecue and... Always said that it didn't rain during his barbecues. Even when it rained during the day, when it stopped, he would go out for 20 minutes barbecue and say, see, it never rains on my barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, he was around a long time doing a lot of great things. You know, we're going to talk about him a little bit more another time because, you know, he has a lot of stories, especially how he fixed things, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't he build that um, scooter with you? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Did you like doing that with him? Yeah. It was a lot of fun, right? You, you know, when you shake your head, you know, oh. nobody hears it. <laughs> right? All right, well, that's good. We'll see. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye.
The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hi, Radioheads. You know this is Elle Man. I'm here with fantasy author Danielle Orsino. Now, she's a fantasy author. I love the pictures on the covers. I love her social media. And she's dressed up right here if you're watching the video. You're not just on radio. Now, Danielle, how did you end up to be on the covers of your books? Um, I don't know that to be a, a normal thing for fantasy. If I was writing fantasy, I would. But how did you end up on the covers? Thank you so much for having me, first of all. I'm super excited. Uh, no, it's not a normal thing, I have to say. As far as I know, as far as my publisher, Four Horsemen Publications, knows, I'm one of the only fantasy authors to grace the cover of their series. So they're calling me the Fabio of fantasy, which I think is a compliment. Yes. But um. That was actually my uh, my publication's total idea. They saw me in cosplay uh, when I was cosplaying as my characters. And they were like, well, what are you doing with these pictures? And at the time, I was like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's promotion. Right. And uh, Val Willis turned around and said, give me a day. I got an idea. And she came back with the mock-up for Locked Out of Heaven, where I was uh, cosplaying as Lady Serena, one of the fae characters, the mermaid. Right. And came back and she's like, uh, guess what we're doing? And then she stuck my dragon Raycor, who was drawn by Pandy Van, my dragon illustrator. And they said, uh, we've got an idea for you. We're throwing you on the cover. And from now on, you're on the cover of your series. And that's how the game is going. And so uh, Four Horsemen okay. took the risk. And I'm very appreciative of it. So now you're you're technically modeling professionally now. Now I started as a model and a writer, to be honest. Like almost, I always did both in my oh. whole entire life. Um that's awesome. Yeah. So did you, did you switch into like modeling from writing? Did you ever have any modeling experience before? No, this was, yeah. this was totally new. This was a totally new experience. Uh, it's very different because, mm-hmm. you know, they always say, don't judge a book by its cover, but let's face it. That's what we do when we're buying a book, you know, yeah. everybody wants to look at the cover and be like, oh, is this going to be interesting? Mm-hmm. So being on the cover and then writing, you're kind of, you're really exposed. You're exposed as a writer, obviously, because that's your work. But then I'm on the cover and a lot of people, my own father did not recognize me on the first cover because I'm right. blonde. And, you know, he's like, I showed it to him and he was like, oh, who's the chick on the cover? And I'm like, uh, dad, that's me. And oh he was like, God. no, get out of here. So it's, it's definitely been interesting. It's an interesting uh, dichotomy and just learning how to model. You know, I've cosplayed before. Right. But, you know, when you're cosplaying as Harley Quinn, you know, you can stick your tongue out. You can do like all these crazy sure. things. And there's pictures, there's references on comic books. So you can play. This, I'm embodying the character and they're my characters. Totally mm-hmm. different scenario. Okay. So now I'm going to switch specifically to your books, which Ooh. full disclosure, I've been so freaking busy and I haven't read them. This is what I've, what I've done. I'm going to full mm-hmm. disclosure. When I meet someone, I have to interview them or I meet a director, producer, actor. I'll meet them first now. This is what I do. I've always kind of qualified people just as muff. And I'm like, oh, I want to meet them. I want to do that. And then I'll stalk them. I'll be like, oh, they're cool. <laughs> so that's what usually happens. So I have a feeling because as I was doing the research, I was like, you know, I'm not really into fantasy books usually, but I'm finding myself really intrigued. So 
she's probably gonna have a stalker after this ends in September when I have more time. But so come on right over to the book. And, uh, and of course, I didn't read this. So all right. So we have you have characters called the bishops of the court of light, which I mm-hmm. assumed they're good. Sort of. Let's say one of them is. Okay. We'll give you one is. The rest of them could be a little shady for uh, my fanatics out there who have read it. They know what the bishops are up to. But continue. So kind of just in the real world, the people that that are named to be good, they're maybe not so good. That's maybe what's happening here. Yeah. They've, They've got some ulterior motives. Okay, so now I'm going to have to mm-hmm. read all this. So question, I was thinking exactly that. They're probably good, mm-hmm. but chances are they're probably not. So mm-hmm. if you had to pick four people to play these Bishops of Light in a movie of your book, who would you mm-hmm. pick to play them? Someone that we Ooh. know on some level. Good question. Okay, so this is how I'd play it. Uh, for Bishop Awen, who is my good guy, like my good bishop out of all of them, I would probably want somebody like an Andrew Garfield. You know, okay. somebody who's sweet, he's just, you know, little, a little tender, you know, kind of guy. Uh, for Bishop Ward, who's the best looking out of the bishops and knows he is, he's also the element of uh, wind mm-hmm. to where Bishop Awin is fire, Bishop Ward is wind. Uh, I would want somebody like an Orlando Bloom, who's never played a bad guy. You know, I oh. want somebody like that. Okay. Because we all know Bloom from like Lord of the Rings, but he, he hasn't done bad. I want, you know, I want a bad guy, like somebody who's never played a bad guy. Do you want to see him do that? Because Mm. he's supposed to be charming. Uh, For Mm. Bishop Geddes, who is my ringleader and he's Earth. I think somebody like a Hugh Jackman, who once again has not done bad. Really? I want a good, yeah, I want somebody who's like, you're like, oh, but everybody loves him. That's exactly why I want him for Geddes. That's that's why. And for Bishop Kyer, who is my water elemental, who tends to get pushed around by the rest of the bishops, who's like on that edge of he could be, he could actually be a nice guy, but then just goes with the rest of them. I would mm-hmm. love somebody, and everybody's gonna laugh at me when I say this, a Keanu Reeves who you would never think would get bullied. Mm-hmm. That's who I'd want to play that. I like just that. I want I want somebody who like for the bishops, you'd never imagine in those roles. That's yeah. what I would want. Yeah. And honestly, that's something I've been thinking about a lot this week. It's like some of the people you would never think to do certain things, they might do them. Mm-hmm. So one of the smartest things you can do with life is to always expect the unexpected and to know that people are volatile human beings. They change. Yes. If they were some way for 10 or 20 years, guess what? In the 21 year, the 21st, 22nd, they might be totally different. So exactly. wise up. Yeah, Exactly. I like that. All right, though. All right. So now we're going to switch it away and come back to Mm -hmm. the good guys and bad guys. Now, you did martial arts. Uh, I did Mm -hmm. very little martial arts. Now, how did martial arts, how does it affect your discipline, your writing, your promotion? How is that spilled into your life? Because how you do anything is really how you do everything, I think. Uh, That's a really good question. Martial arts for me, I think, I don't think of it as a separate part of me. It's just kind of in me. So from a writing aspect, it definitely helped with my fight scenes. I can say that from day one. Uh, I decided, yeah, in the writing, totally helped with the fight scenes because I didn't take on a sweeping battle because I've never been in a sweeping battle. I don't (laughs) know what it's like to ride horses and like shoot bow and arrows and have a sword fight on top of a horse. What, you're not Steven Seagal? 
No, totally not. Can you imagine that? Yes. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to do it from that perspective because I'm like, I can't give it the realism. So okay. a lot of my fight scenes are one-on-one or small groups okay. where I'm like, I can concentrate on how the body would react mm. because I've thrown these punches. I've thrown these kicks. So from that aspect, martial arts helped me to give it a more realistic feel and not a, as much as I love my superhero movies. And believe me, I'm the first one in line for Wonder Woman. Uh, I didn't want, you know, that feel of all you see is a cape and a cow and you can't really see what's happening. I wanted to give it that close range. You can actually feel yourself right there with the Fae fighting. So from that that aspect, martial arts was right there. I then developed a martial art called Synchron that the Illuminasca use. That's a blend of the elements. And I kind of took from Tai Chi, from Bagua, from Wushu, Mm, all the stuff I've studied that's all in there and down to the chakras and how it uses. So martial arts definitely affected how I wrote. And then I think the discipline was just there and learning from the, from the basics up Mm -hmm. because I'm not a classically trained writer. And if you want to know how not to do things, by all means, come (laughs) talk to me because I've made all those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of part of learning in martial arts. You have to mess up in order to get better. Mm -hmm. So I was not afraid to fail because God knows I'd done that in martial arts a million and one times, fallen on my face or gotten my butt kicked. Right. So I wasn't really scared. Actually, question, I just this just came up. So I found mm-hmm. different parallels between the people I know who practice martial arts and people I know that do not. Uh, they And I find that the people who do not uh, don't have a meal prep, uh, a fitness regimen. Maybe they don't, mm-hmm. they're lacking, I find, respect for themselves, respect for others, respect, respect for the planet. Have you found certain things that martial arts generally, you know, generalizations are dangerous, but generally it has Mm -hmm. like given or coincided with like certain personality traits or behaviors in different people you've observed? I think uh, that's a really good question. I think in, in general, just speaking kind of on a broad stroke, Mm -hmm. I've noticed that martial artists are usually more disciplined Mm -hmm. just in their body because They've seen their body do a lot. You know, they've put it through a lot. So there's usually a little more respect for what their body can do. So they tend to treat it a little bit better right? in that sense. Uh, so I would say that's probably a, a decent one, you know, decent general generalization in that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I've met some martial arts that are like, I've been through, you know, heck and back. So I don't really care what happens now. You know, mm-hmm. I've met those two. But Mm -hmm. usually the martial artists I hang with are always looking to better themselves in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And I do appreciate that. Uh, You know, of course, you got the one-offs here and there, just like anything. But yeah, I would say that, you know, they're always kind of looking to better themselves and keep their body intact because they know what it can do and they appreciate it. I found that and I found that that respect for the body also seems to translate to respect for other people, respect for the planet, like, like all Mm -hmm. the people I've seen that litter, and I haven't caught too many, because I just try Mm -hmm. to stay away from people that would litter. But uh, none of them seem to have a fitness regimen, they just seem to have like no respect for anything. So I found like a parallel of respect in martial arts. So now we're going to get back to your book. Mm-hmm. We have the Fae and the Fairy World. Now, <laughs> my mom, who's mm-hmm. 69 now, as of the other day, uh, I'll be 38 in a couple of weeks. She told me fairies exist years ago and she gave me this crystal and I was like, lady, 
I don't know. She's like, the crystal will turn different colors. And I was like, you know what? And it's actually one, that was one of the conversations that got me into studying spirituality. Now I'm a Reiki master. I've taken three rounds of psychic development classes. I could technically sit down and probably do mediumship readings for people, but I don't advertise that. Mm -hmm. So my question is, do you believe in fairies? What are your thoughts on fairies? Is this totally fictional? Do you have any accounts or personal stories in the fairy or, or not even fairy? Let's just say the supernatural realm. Uh, it's funny. I, you know, I was not into fairies when I started writing this book. Let me, let me just preface that. I, you know, yes, I read interview with a vampire. I adore, I'm totally into comic books, comic book nerd. Uh, you know, Chris Claremont is huge inspiration for me. So I'm, you know, I'm totally in that nerddom, mm -hmm. but I was not a fairy person. I can't say where this idea came. to this day, I cannot say what made me tell that patient, you know, a story about the Fae. I have no idea. I heard that so, interview. So I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I still don't know. And I just spoke with him five minutes before I, I did this interview with you. I was just speaking to that very patient. And we laugh about it because I still don't know what made me tell him that. Um, so there is definitely a collective that I think we tap into as mm -hmm. creative people. Mm -hmm. I, I do believe in that. Uh, do I think fairies exist? I think elementals exist. I think we, okay. we put the label of fae on them and fairies, just like we put the label of angels or demons. I think we label as humans and it's just energy. Um, now I could be, you know, right now there could be a fairy looking over my shoulder right. that I don't see looking at me going, Oh, really girl, right. hmm, we're going to have a little talk about this later. I don't know, but I'm definitely not opposed to the idea. I'm mm. completely open to it. I just think it's what we choose to believe in as humans mm -hmm. and what our brain can, um, can comprehend. And I think it's all good. I'm not, I don't put anybody down for it. You know, I got my crystals I've got all that stuff. And I'm I like, hey, know. if it works for you, man, go for it. I keep my mind open. I was just told by yep. a pretty well-known psychic that I have basically the souls of women who've been abused that are trying to give me messages. Okay. Okay. That's, that's pretty heavy. Um, that's, that's, so I guess there's that's some, a heavy burden. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so back to you when you're writing now. Um, all right. What behaviors, foods, or exercises seem to lead to writer's block and what behaviors, foods, exercise experiences seem to just have you writing and, and flowing? Is there anything that precedes the flowing in the block? I'm going to say I've, I've been very lucky that I have not had an issue with writer's block. I knew it. I knew it. I, I haven't. Yeah, I have. That's not been a problem that. for me. Yeah. Yeah. No. Knock on wood. That's, that's not an issue. And I think part of that is because I am not classically trained and I don't put myself in that box. You know, I just kind of flow and go with it. Uh, oh. When I'm feeling like I have to get that, that spark of inspiration. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I will go and hit the bag. I totally, you know, I'm, in, I'm into that. I need my exercise. I'm in the gym every day, whether I'm hitting yeah. something, lifting weights, whatever. I do need that that activity, that mm -hmm. physical activity. I definitely need that. When I'm writing, I have music going. I'm not somebody who can sit and write in silence. Don't. God bless you if you can do yeah. it. Any yeah. writer out there, if you can do it, awesome. Me, no. I got RuPaul's Drag Race going on. I got mm -hmm. the Real Housewives arguing. That's fine. Um, you have the I Real just... Housewives arguing while you're actually typing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, wow. I got Real Housewives Beverly Hills going on and I'm sitting there as I'm writing, I'm going, mm -hmm, oh Erica, you tell them. And I'm like, yep, I got yeah. you, babe. 
as it's going, I got RuPaul's Drag Whoa. Race going on. No problem. I can I can go. Uh, when I'm really into like final edits, I have a soundtrack of the entire book that okay. plays, and I will play that, and that follows the emotional crescendo cool. and that journey, and I will play that on a loop through Spotify okay. as I'm editing, and that kind of keeps me in. Okay, remember this journey. Like this is where we're going. Keep that theme. Okay. And that helps me and that'll push me through. And sometimes even if I'm like, I know that I've, I've been to the gym and I'm on my way home and I'm about to do some writing, I'll play that soundtrack again, like just that. to be like, okay, this is the mood I have to get into. Yeah. And I'm good. Yeah. You're in the soundtrack of the movie. I feel like this should mm-hmm. be made. These things should be made into movies or short films or at least oh, something thank you. video. So we're almost at the end. Uh, maybe this will mm-hmm. be my last question. Writing can equal isolation, usually. However, you seem to be able to have things around you. So you could probably have a party going on and you'd still write a book. Now, it's usually not a group activity. How do you balance this isolation time, if you even balance it at all, with connection time? Because usually to be a healthy human, you need some type of connection, uh, at least a few times a week, if not multiple Mm -hmm. times a day. Like, How do you balance the isolation and connection? Uh, I think because I did a lot of writing, uh, you know, part of my book came out during COVID. My first book came out, you know, during COVID. So some of, a lot of my editing was done while we were all in isolation. So I think Mm -hmm. I kind of got used to it, but, uh, my pups are always around me when I'm writing. So that's, that's helpful. You know, there's my connection. Um, I go to Uh Muay Thai three times a week. So I am, you know, I do have some human interaction, um, I think I have a good support system. I think that's a big part of it. Okay. Um, and I'm, I have a lot of voices in my head, to be quite honest with you, with these characters. And I'm talking to them a lot. And they're right. They're, they're, to me, they're real. You know, I can joke that when I'm writing, King Jarvok is right over my shoulder going, no, I wouldn't say that. Back up. That's great. He's like, I don't, I don't do that. Uh, you know, Indiga's right there. My dragon's there. They're to me very real. I don't feel isolated. I really don't. I do live and breathe this world. Heck, I dress in this world. Right. Um, it. I don't feel isolated. Uh, I do interact with my fans a lot. They they DM me. I have fans that'll you know tell me what's going on in their life to see if they can get it written into the book because they oh had gosh. a crazy experience. Maybe. And they're like, this just happened, and they tell me. Right. So I'm pretty accessible. I. I just don't feel isolated. I know some authors do feel like that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, my publisher is also accessible and we have a good support system within our group of authors, our stable of authors. Uh, C.R. Rice, I'm very close with. She's an, a fellow author. So we're always bouncing ideas off. I just don't feel that isolation. Yeah, no. You seem like someone who is connected and moving your body physically, which physically moves energy or chi and you're in the flow and mm-hmm. you're doing a lot right, I think. So super motivating, super commendable. We're at the end because we have two more awesome. segments to record today. And uh, yeah, we can't go into Bo Roberts' interview. So I have so much more to ask you, and I'd love to hear more from you. But Mark Torres will be mad, right, Mark? He's not here. He'll hear this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so final yeah. words, any final thoughts for it came from the radio? And please drop your website, social media, where people can find you. Thank you so much for having me. You guys can find me at birthofthefay.com, fourhorsemanpublications.com. Follow me on Instagram at birthofthefay underscore novel, or you can always check out Locked Out of Heaven on Bookie Call, which is your place to find your next great 
bookie bookie date. So you can check it out. It's an app, iOS, Android. You can swipe right, swipe left. Think of it as Tinder for books and check out Locked Out of Heaven there. Thank you, Danielle Orsino. I hope you've all enjoyed. You can catch more of her on Instagram, online. And now back to more came from the radio. See you later, Mark. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Full body character. Hey, ghoulies, this is Demon Boy, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. (laughs) Hey, guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hey, this is Brimstone, and you're listening to my boys on It Came From The Radio. You had any honor. You would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, IndieVolt.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.